stay home, right? She's been really been in or like water in the hands of the Lord, and he can just maneuver them where he goes. And so here's the point for us this morning. It's why we pray. It's why we pray. We're in a season of prayer, right? We don't pray to make ourselves feel better. We pray because we know it just causes things to move in the spirit realm. And so as we come in and hear these stories, I wanted to compel you to pray with even greater compassion, greater intention, and just trust and believe God to move. Now, one of the things that I love um, about this season, and I think that I love about even the Rooted Initiative, is I love the idea of vision. Like, I love the idea, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so caught up in, like, the everyday minutia that, man, I kind of lose hope, but then all of a sudden I look up, right? And I look up with vision, and with vision, it's like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, the, the purpose for why we're here is much greater maybe than I even realize, right? The purpose for why we exist, the calling of the Lord is, is much greater than maybe I even realize. And so I, I love this idea of, of, of seeing vision because it really awakens us to the fact that there are great things that God is doing. And when we talk about the rooted initiative, what I love is that two of the three things that we focus on are things outside of our four walls, right? We're looking at our neighbors and we're looking at those that are in need as we look at mission, right? I love looking outside the four walls, but I love the things that God is doing outside of the four walls. And last week, right, last week we talked about this, this nature of being a sent people, And so if you take the last six weeks, I want to just sum them up very nicely and in a tidy quote this morning, because I want to launch from this quote this morning, but I want to launch from it really for the next month, as we're talking about being a people who are sent. So if you have not been here in the last month and a half, I'm going to sum everything up for you in one sentence. You're welcome. It says this, every day, every day we are called to Jesus to be sent out by Jesus. Like if you want to sum up, like the, the goal of our life, the agenda of our life, it's simple. Every day we are called to Jesus, right? We're to times with Jesus in the secret place. We're receiving the abundance of life that he has for us so that we can truly be overcomers or, or more than conquerors. We are called to Jesus, called into relationship with him, called to a beautiful place of intimacy and deep knowledge of Jesus, right? We're called to that. And when we are, we like, we love it. And then we are sent out. He says, the idea is like, I've called you in to receive so I can send you out with everything you receive to get it away to those who need it, Right? We can't stop just in the receiving. We are also sent out by Jesus every day of our lives. John 20, 21, we were that last week, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so that's the point. It's like God has called us to this unique and overwhelmingly wonderful and beautiful, intimate relationship with him of speaking and of hearing. We listen. We engage. And so we always, every day, are recognizing today my primary call is first to Jesus. Relationship with Him. Hearing His voice. Enjoying His presence. But I can't just stay there. Then I'm sent out every day to go be Jesus for those who are in need. I simplify the message because I see it as the ultimate reason we exist. 
We are to love and be loved by God, and then we are to lead people to the love that we have found in Jesus. We, we call that the good news, that Jesus came, that we might all have life, right? And we said last week that this is the life calling of every single Christian, every single person who says, yes, I'm in relationship with Jesus. So whether you are a student whether you're in construction, whether you're a Fortune 500 CEO, whether you stay at home every day and, and your primary work is in the home and caring and raising your children, whether you work in a, as a carpenter or a pastor or a business owner or feel like just one of the nameless employees in a huge corporation, each of us has the same calling. You are called to Jesus every day. You're equal. To equally be sent out by Jesus. We said last week, where you are, that's where you were sent. Where you are, that is where you were sent. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to launch from this calling. Just press pause. Are we all on the same page? Like you've been called to Jesus every day to be sent out by Jesus. You are equal to every single person sitting around you. One person's calling isn't greater than another. One person isn't greater than another. One, Listen, you don't get to just be called to Jesus, and you don't just get to be called to be sent by Jesus. You all have a dual call. Each of you are completely equal in the eyes of God in importance of influence. You're all equal in his eyes. And so in this reality this morning, what I want to create then is yeah, I want to create a journey to perspective. I want us to have a journey to a unique perspective and how we view this being called to and being sent. And specifically, a unique perspective and what it looks like in us being sent. So all of us understand perspective we all use. And he said, well, you just have to have perspective. Because what we mean by that is that perspective speaks to a specific point of view, right? A true understanding of what is truly important in a moment. And so we may be in a situation, right, a perspective. Well, it allows us to take a difficult moment and find God in it, right? Or to find the silver lining in the moment, like, well, that was really hard, but perspective tells me that this, whatever it may be, right? Perspective is a sign of maturity. Perspective is that we're able to see really from a different vantage point than we're sitting in and understanding maybe the viewpoint of God or the viewpoint of a situation that we can't just automatically see. Perspective allows us to see a different point of view, a different vantage point. In the context of that, we also have moments where it allows us to see that a victory may have just been won, but we still can't rest, right? We have a long way to go. That's how we view all of these pieces. Like for football, like for any kind of sports fan, what happens? Like they interview a coach after a game, and what do they say? How do you feel about this big win? We're going to celebrate it for 24 hours, and then what? We have another game next week. And your coach better say that because if not, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> right? Because they better be focusing on next week. It's the whole perspective. And so we have this unique point of view, this unique perspective that I believe that God is calling you to, that he's calling me to, 
when we talk about being a sent people. So in this context, right, this idea of sentness, the perspective that I want us to have, it's simple. I'm going to name it for you. The perspective is simple, and it's super clear. Okay? You either need to write it down, or you can take a picture of it. Okay? The perspective is very simple, and it's very clear. You ready? Here it goes. Jesus is more interested in those he's called us to than he is our busyness or our schedule. This is perspective and our sentness. Jesus is more interested in those he's called us to, those who are far from him, those who are suffering, those who are hurting, than he is our busyness or our schedule. This is a perspective that we have to begin to embrace. Like, I read it, do you feel guilty? Do, when I say it, do you feel condemned? Do I say, like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Are you going to tell me how bad I am? No. All I'm telling you is just the perspective that we need to be having. Why? Because I believe it's the perspective that Jesus had. We're going to look at the story here in a second, right? And here's the thing. I get it. Have you ever been in a moment where you're in a hurry from some place, like with some place to be, or, and someone crosses your path, and then you feel a nudge in your spirit? Like even in those moments, like you're, you're like you're racing from point A to point B, like you see someone on the side of the road, you see a person at Starbucks, right? You have this like thought come through your mind about someone to call, but you're like, ah, I really want to, but I just don't have the time. I really want to, but God, I'm just so busy right now. God, I really want to, but God, this thing I have going on is just so important that I, I can't take away from it. All of us have these. All of these. All of us have these moments. With this in mind, let me say again, in those moments, we want to create a perspective, like without guilt behind it. Say, no, no, Jesus is more interested in this person he's called me to than my own busyness and my own schedule. I love when I read the frame of the statement, I love reading from Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. It's this beautiful story. I'm going to read a fair number of verses. I'm going to start in verse 32. Go to verse 34. Then I'm going to skip down and read 46 or 52. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me or you can follow along on the screen. I want you to be thinking of this perspective, right? Jesus is more interested in those he's called us to than our busyness or our schedule. I want you to keep that perspective in mind as you read the story. I want you to see, before I show it to you, if you can find it in the story, okay? So first things first, 32. And when they, the disciples, and and, and the massive crowd who were following him, right? When they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they, whether disciples or the whole group, they were amazed. And those who followed, well, they were afraid because these crazy things that Jesus was doing. Not like afraid of like, oh, he's going to kill me, like afraid like he's awe-inspiring. He's, man, like it's the, whoo, this is crazy who he is. And then taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. So he, he pulled them away. He pulled them away from the whole crowd and began saying to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him And spit on him and flog him and kill him. After three days, he will arise. Now going down to verse 46. 
And they came to Jericho, the whole group, the masses. And he was, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. You're so annoying. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm going to yell as loud as I want to. Son of Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is one of the stories I love to tell, isn't it? This is like we love these miracle stories. We love the power of God through Jesus to bring healing, bring restoration. We love these stories. But the first thing I want, us to, I want you to recognize, I want you to know what's going on. In this stage of Jesus' life, first, what you have to know is this journey Jesus is on is the one that leads him to Jerusalem where he will be betrayed. Like, Jesus has taken lots of journeys to Jerusalem over the years, but this is the last one he will take before the cross. This is the most important journey he has ever taken in his 33 years on earth, right? Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's very aware of the situation, and maybe just like every other human being to ever walk the earth, he may just be a little preoccupied with what is coming. We kind of see this. I think we think we can read into this in the first set of verses. He says, he is walking ahead of them. Why does someone walk ahead of a group? Because they want to process and think. How do we, do we know what Jesus is thinking? Well, possibly. Because he, he stops. He stops and says, all right, I've been walking ahead of you. Why don't you come over here with me? I need to tell you what I've been thinking about. Because why? One, I would say we know from Scripture that Jesus was overwhelmed by the reality of being murdered. Like he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. The idea of being killed was not something. He was like, this is going to be awesome, fun times. It's like going to the fun park. Yay, right? It's not that. No, it's overwhelming to him. But you know what's also going on for him? Why do you think he stopped and talked to his disciples? Because he was overwhelmed for them. He was overwhelmed for them. He knew this was going to be the most difficult moment of their life. This is going to be overwhelming. He wants to do his best to prepare them, right? He is thinking about his life. He's thinking about what's going to be going on. He wants to let them know. He does not want them to be shocked. He wants them to be aware because he knows they're going to turn. They're going to run. They're not going to be able to watch. It's going to be too overwhelming. He's already aware of the road to Emmaus and the conversation that they have to have. He, he already recognizes the moment that Peter's going to betray him. He's going to have to, to go and sit with him and restore him back to the ministry, right? He knows how overwhelming and fear-filled they're going to be. So he sits down, right? Simply put, Jesus has a lot going on right now. Like, have you ever said that? I just got a lot going on right now, okay? I mean, I'm sorry I'm being a jerk, but you got to just give me grace. I got a lot going on right now. We all say that. The kids are like, my mom says it all the time, right? No, we got a lot going on. 
Second, I mean, again, this reading between the lines here, right? I mean, this, there's possibility things, right? But it's a long journey. It's a long journey from north of Jericho all the way to Jerusalem. It's a 23-mile hike, right? And it's literally all uphill. Jericho is below sea level. Jerusalem is a journey uphill to 2,000 feet above Jericho, right, above sea level. So my point is, it's a long journey. I don't know if you've ever journeyed. I mean, just think about journeying with your kids 23 miles. I mean, I'm just saying, right? It takes more than it takes the average person. And here he's got thousands of people who are going to be following him along with his disciples. And who knows? Some of them may be super old. like, like, I don't have no idea. It's a long journey. And here's the deal. You don't like to be on the road at night. And so he has somewhere to go. i got to get there. It's going to turn dark. It's a long, have you seen how slow Peter walks? I'm just saying. And John, he likes to love on everybody, man. He takes forever, right? No, it's a long, possibly a long journey. So my point is, he has a lot going on and, has been, and he has a place to get to. Just like we do every day. We've got a lot going on. I got a, I got job. I got work. I got children. I've got all of these things I've got to get done today. And I'm, I'm at point A and I've got to get a point B. I've got, I've got a timeline. I've got to get there. It's super important. I have to get somewhere. Jesus is not un, Jesus is not different than that here in this story. But what I love in verse 46 through 52 is that Jesus models for us perspective. I would argue that Jesus is distracted, that Jesus is on a mission. He has somewhere important to be that's weighing heavily on him. But when the Spirit of God nudged him, I love verse 49, it says, he stopped. There is no greater scripture, no greater words in scripture in the context of ministry than when it says, he stopped. And Jesus stopped. And said, who touched the hem of my garment? And the woman with the issue of blood said, oh my gosh, so sorry, me. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped in the middle of his business, in the middle of his schedule, in the middle of at point A, having to get to point B, right? Jesus has walked through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem, right? This blind beggar named Bartimaeus hears Jesus is coming. The Jesus that he has stirred stories about. It's the Jesus of Nazareth, right? And Bartimaeus cries out so long and so loud that people tell him to stop because he's just being too much. He's being annoyed. Right. I have a guess that possibly Jesus heard him the first time he cried out. Jesus probably heard him the second time. Maybe he didn't. Maybe Jesus was so distracted with everything going on. Right. Maybe he didn't hear the guy screaming at the top of his lungs louder than everybody else. Because if you've ever been there, you're just so focused. And all of a sudden, so it's like, Steve, did you hear me? Did you hear like, well, Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm just so distracted. Right. I don't know. Maybe it was the third time, fourth time, fifth time, tenth time. We have no idea. We know he cried out long enough that people told him to stop because it was annoying. And so all of a sudden, Jesus kind of comes to or says, you know, finally, I have no idea, right? But Jesus heard him, like he probably heard others, but in the busyness and the weightiness of the things going on in his mind, including feeling overwhelmed about how difficult Jerusalem would be very shortly for himself and for his best friends, his spiritual family, right? Jesus, having every reason just to keep going, he says, I stopped, he stopped, and said, I feel the Spirit of God nudging me. Bring him to me. And herein is where we gain perspective. 
Jesus is just like you and just like me every day. He had a lot going on in his mind. He had somewhere to be. He was overwhelmed with life. He was carrying his own great weight, but he stopped and he obeyed the nudge of the Spirit. As we look at the story, I believe the takeaways are very, very simple. Number one, Jesus understands your weight. He understands your schedule. He understands your busyness. He has felt it, and because he is with you today, he feels it with you. He is an understanding and compassionate friend and Lord. Like He understands. He's not unaware of how important you are, or at least your view of importance. He's not unaware of your schedule. He's not unaware of all the things you have to get done and the timelines by which you have to get them done by. Like Jesus is more aware of your schedule and your busyness and your timeline and your children and your spouse and your responsibilities than you are. Much more aware. He's sensitive. He's compassionate. He understands and he gets it. But number two, Jesus never allowed his busyness or weight to keep him from listening to and obeying the nudge of the Spirit. Jesus was more interested in those he was called to than he was his own sense of importance, his busyness, or his schedule. And here's the question. Here's my question. Everybody pay attention. Don't look at the third one yet. Here's the point I'm getting at. Do you think that when God nudges you, he's like, but it's okay if you're too busy? Do you think... He would nudge you to do something and not be able to care for and take care of the things you feel like you're busy and important with. Do you track with that? If he calls you to do something, it means he's big enough to care for the things you're worried about and anxious about. It means that Jesus said, hey, if you'll take care of him, I'll take care of everything you're worried and anxious and overwhelmed about. I got it. I will stop time for you if need be because I'm Lord. Do you feel the weight or do you feel the freedom of that? It should be a freedom. Because what the reason it's a weight is because we love controlling our lives. We love control. We feel like if we have to let something go, I'm not sure because it requires my investment. And scriptures would tell us, and I believe Jesus would say, no, no, I'm, pretty, I'm big enough to care for those things. It's called grace. It's called my lordship. I will care for those things. Do you feel that? There's a freedom. Listen, there is no freedom in taking the reins of wild horses and trying to tell them to stop. It's much easier to say, Jesus is too much. Will you take control? That's too much and too heavy. Can you take care of it for me? Because I don't know about you, but so many things in our lives feel like runaway horses. And we're like, ah! And we feel anxious and worried about so many things. Only one thing is required. Jesus, take control. He, in the moments he nudges us, is big enough to care for the things that we are worried and anxious about and think we have to have control over, including primarily parents, your children. Your children. That's the primary thing. Moms, we're honest. Try to control children. What does it look like? We have, there's this release. 
Third, stories that give our life the greatest meaning usually happen when we stop. As you read through the Gospels, I encourage you to read through the Gospels this week again and again and again, right? I want you to recognize how many miracles and works of Jesus are done on the way to a destination. They're done on the way to some place. In the middle of his journey from point A to point B, right? Look and see how often Jesus had to stop what he was doing to minister. If you take away the miracles of Jesus that occurred as he was going from point A to point B in Scripture, you would lose a bunch of really important ones. I've already said you would lose the, the woman healed the issue of blood. You would lose blind Bartimaeus. We couldn't sing the song, We Little Zacchaeus Going Up a Tree. We'd lose that story, right? You would lose the story of the demoniac being set free in the cemetery. These stories that shape us today happen because Jesus stopped. Because Jesus stopped. And so this week, very simple, I want you to fight for the perspective we shared this morning. Jesus is more interested in those he has called you to than he is your busyness or schedule. Not because he's rude, but because he wants you to have stories to tell. He wants you to have stories to tell. He wants you to have that breakthrough. He wants you to have those moments. Because I don't know about you, but the things I love talking to people about are moments where I stopped. I mean, this week, this is super simple, right? This isn't even that great or that big of a deal. I go to a hair, I go to this track meet for Anna Catherine at Harrison. Like, there's this long line to pay. I mean, this is such not a big deal, right? But it was a nudge. And so I literally, this woman standing in front of me, literally right in front of me. She gets there and hands him a credit card. Like, and the lady's like, we don't take credit cards, right? And I'm like, I don't like her, <laughs> right? <laughs> she was rude. Didn't give options. Like, we don't take credit cards. Next. And she's like, oh, and she was like going there to see her granddaughter. And I looked at her and said, I got you. I'll pay for her. She's like, you're paying for two? I'm like, I'm paying for two. And the lady's like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much, right? I'm like, hey, you're, you know, blessings on you, right? Walk off, right? That was super simple, but it was a nudge in the moment. And all I want to say this week is simply this. There is something, one thing, being nudged against your will, which is how most of us live. Would you just surrender to the nudges of God's Spirit this week and wait confidently with confidence to say yes? Would you go, God, I can't wait to say yes this week. It's going to hurt me. It's going to cost me something. Like, I'm my schedule, my time, my control. Ah, it's probably going to be inopportune times. So I know how you work to teach me a lesson in the process. I get it. It's going to be really inopportune. I've got to know it in advance. It's probably going to be with something that I've set a timeline on, and I'm going to trust you with it. It's going to be a big, full teaching experience. That's okay. I want to say yes right now. Okay, here we go. Driving. Mm-hmm. Looking, right? There is something different doing this than doing this. Let's do this, right? That's the invitation. Would you move from feeling guilty and weighty around the perspective that Jesus is more interested in who he's called you to? Would you lose the weight of like saying, yes, absolutely, Jesus should be more worried and care more about those who are lost and dying and hurting and how I can be the one to bring life to them. He should absolutely care. And so, yes, God, I want to be the person. 
Let me tell you, if we all become the person and we all get really good at stopping, do you know how many stories will be told? Do you know how it'll affect, you know how to impact your children? Listen, do you want to know what my, my girl's favorite stories about us is when we stop? When we do something, when we tell these stories and we share the gospel, we help somebody in need. They love those stories. Tell it to me again, mom. Tell it to me again, dad. They love those stories. You want to disciple your children? Stop along the way. Stop along the way. Learn to stop. Let God do his thing. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence with us. I thank you, God, that you will open up doors for us to to do ministry alongside of you. God, you could do it all by yourself, but you invite us to come in and do it. That's pretty awesome. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would just awaken us. That, God, you would lead us to this place, Lord, of, of saying yes. Not out of guilt, but out of anticipation expectancy and excitement that you're about to do something powerful. Would you make us people who just because we say yes, Lord, we're writing our own stories, our own Jesus stories. We have no Jesus stories apart from saying yes. And so, Father, we just invite you to to nudge us this morning and to move us to this place, God, of saying yes. We pray this in your name. Um, just a word given this morning. Sorry, I need I close my, my iPad and I forget what it said. Hold on. So we come into ministry time this morning. It simply said, um, so this morning, again, some, I'll, I'll read it a second. Ministry time to offer in baskets. Again, those are connect cards. This is where you'd put them this morning so you can put them in here. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides. They just love to pray for you this morning, uh, for anything going on in your life. And what, seriously, if there's healing you need, like if you just want to, like I always view ministry time as like coming to Jesus with other people who can just come and encourage and love me in the process, right? So we have teams to, teams to pray for you. Um, but I, I want to invite you this morning, and, and with this, Scott, I'm not sure he's still in here, but Rob, we may need two tables this morning at second service for communion. Because the word, just really simple, was that um, through bread and wine, God heals afflictions. Through bread and wine, God heals afflictions. And when we talk about the body broken, the blood poured out, that's what we talk about in communion. That there is this in the process of what God has done, his body broken, his blood poured out. That there was healing available to the nations and healing available to the church and healing available for individuals. So this morning specifically, if you're in need of this rest, restoring work, whether it's mental, whether it's physical or spiritual, whatever's going on in your life, I want to invite you by faith this morning, like a trust and a confidence in Jesus and his desire to bring breakthrough. Simply come and take communion this morning. And just believe God for a breakthrough. God, again, through the bread and wine, he heals afflictions. We just believe this morning is the word that God wants to do. And so we want to be obedient to it. And through communion, you can take communion this morning. And we're going to believe as you come that God will bring healing into your life. Okay? So you respond as the Lord leads this morning. I'll come back up here in about five minutes. And I will pray us out. Uh, Ministry teams, you can come forward. And uh, you respond as the Lord leads.
Simply say, Jesus, have your way. We do ask that God just continue to bring healing, bring restoration. Best, we pray, God, just for this beautiful gift of conviction, this perspective of Jesus, not of the weight of being called to to be sent, but God to the beauty, that God of the partnership we have with Jesus, of simply saying yes to what Jesus is already and always has been doing. So, Father, I pray, would you shift perspective this morning? You shift this weight, God, to a a godly weight of recognizing, Lord, you've never called us to do something that you haven't empowered us to do. Your power, God, it's looking to get out. It's looking to be released, Lord. And, God, it happens inside the four walls, but, Lord, you designed it to primarily be expressed outside the four walls. I praise you, Father, the primary stories of healing, God, a lot of them, man, God, there's so many of them outside the four walls of the temple. And so, Father, just to awaken us this morning, this morning, I pray this morning. This morning, you continue to take communion, we're going to stay in worship, and I want to release you if you need to go, but for men, you can sign up for our men's breakfast this Saturday, as computers out there, and our connect cards, don't forget just to turn those in either this week or next, and uh, we love you, we're praying for you. Have a